Welcome to the Cooking for Chemo podcast. I'm Chef Ryan Callahan, your host. That was epic. Now you try. <laughs> and I'm the producer, Jesse Callahan. Callahan, Callahan. That was Callahan. more like I was floating out in space away from us. Yeah, sure. So the purpose of this podcast is to tackle the eating related side effects of chemotherapy and discuss the practical real world solutions to make your food taste great again assuming that it already tasted great to begin with. We established that already. <laughs> and this episode, we're gonna talk about seasoning ingredients that you should always have on hand to help you make your food taste great. And okay. I, I could personally vouch for this because I watch you do it. Yes, she does. <laughs> so uh, this week's episode is really about, it's, it's less about the specific ways to combat side effects or uh, you know how you taste and perceive food. It's more about the actual cooking aspect of food. So people always ask me, uh, what do I need to have on hand? And so all our recipes at our website, cookingforchemo.org, take into consideration that you have basic ingredients on hand. And so I'm gonna basically go through, I'm gonna basically go through the basic ingredients while I basically talk about basicness, right? No. <laughs> no, no, no. So what we're gonna talk about is the specific ingredients that I call for or ask you to have or expect that you have on hand, what they do and their function inside of cooking, okay? And that's what we're gonna kinda talk about and why you should have them on hand. Of course, everyone's different. You may like it, you may not like it, you may need to use something different. Um, and that's totally up to you, but I'm basically gonna talk about what it is, how it works, and why you should have it. Let's get to it. Straight in here. Okay, so we're gonna walk th through basically the five flavors, salty, savory, spicy, sour, and sweet. So, okay. And they're in order. So number one is kosher salt or sea salt. And this is like a coarse ground salt. Uh, if you live outside the United States, it's hard to find something labeled as kosher salt. Uh, it's typically labeled as coarse ground sea salt, which is exactly what kosher salt is, except kosher salt has been blessed uh, and certified kosher for Passover. Um, in the United States, we get it called kosher salt. It usually says Morton kosher salt. And it's really just coarse ground sea salt. It's got these big wide flakes and these big wide flakes are great for cooking because when you put it in your hand, you go, oh wow, that's a lot of salt. Okay, because there's these big huge flakes, right? right. And you sprinkle it. Well, kosher salt or sea salt, coarse ground salt in general, has one third less sodium than regular fine ground iodized table salt has, fine ground salt of any kind. And the reason is, is it has to do with weight by volume, okay? And I'm not gonna get too much into that. Yeah, you'll bore us. I'll bore you to death, but what you need to know is <laughs> that one, like our dog. one <laughs> tablespoon of kosher salt has the same sodium content as one teaspoon of iodized table salt. So a quick conversion there for you is that if something calls for sea salt or kosher salt and it says one tablespoon, you only need one third of a tablespoon, which is one teaspoon of fine ground or iodized salt there. And the reason that's that That's a huge use, difference. It's a huge difference. And so if you substitute them, you end up with something really salty. You go, this recipe's horrible. It's so salty, right? <laughs> so, um, so why we use the salt is to amplify all of the pre-existing flavors, it amplifies savory flavors, it tells us that this is delicious, it starts building all the other flavors, right? It's Atlas building everything, that's the purpose of the salt, okay? Um, the next ingredient falls in the savory category and it's soy sauce. We use this in our tasting demonstration. I strongly recommend not going with a store brand soy sauce, right? You wanna use a, it needs to say naturally brewed on it. Naturally brewed soy sauce tastes 
so much better than the artificially created soy sauce. It just has a better flavor. It has a better aroma. It cooks better. It tastes better. It's just better, you know? Yeah, we've um, tried some of the, like, quote-unquote store brands, yeah, like, off-brands, and they're just like, they're oh, just I'm like, where's Kiko Man? Where's yeah. the Kiko Man? So that's, that's <laughs> the, here in the United States, that's the one I really recommend grabbing is Kiko Min soy sauce. It's a traditionally brewed Japanese soy sauce. If you're in the U.S., it's actually made here in the U.S. Uh, it's good stuff. I really like it. Um, soy sauce, what it does is it's savory, right? It's got lots of savory aspects in it that build savory flavors. It's got lots of glutamate, glutamic acid. They're free floating, lots of amino acids. And it also has a little bit of sodium in the soy sauce. So if you are using soy sauce in a recipe, you want to use less regular salt. We used to work at a Chinese restaurant. Or none at all, depending at on all. your salt depending, tolerance. Exactly, <laughs> depending on your salt, salt tolerance. We were, used to run a Chinese restaurant and we had to make a sign. It said, warning, soy sauce is salty. <laughs> That's uh, because people would come in and they would dump like a bunch of soy sauce on their fried rice, which was already cooked in and soy then, sauce, and they complained it was too salty after then, they added. No, because they added extra salt too. They put salt oh, yeah. and then soy You're sauce. Right. On they it. would get the table salt, they would salt yes. it, and then add more soy sauce. And yes. they'd be like, you guys can't cook. And, that's and the, we're like, no, you just dumped a bunch of salt on your food, weirdo. <laughs> yeah, so that's the importance of tasting your food before you doctor it up, right? Yes, always taste. Okay, so the next one is uh, one of my favorite ingredients that some people have a problem with so I'm just gonna full disclosure here this let's go ahead and talk about this problem completely optional um uh monosodium glutamate MSG you'll also see it marketed as essence of umami uh MSG is literally monosodium glutamate it is glutamic acid that is bonded to a single sodium ion and that is the stable form of glutamic acid that you can find out in nature it's made out of well these days it's typically made out of wheat uh, but originally what, what does it occur in naturally? Because it's a naturally occurring uh, chemical, right? So uh, glutamate and glutamic acid are, yes. Um, they actually exist in your blood. They're amino acids. And these amino acids, uh, not to bore everybody, but they're these little building blocks that build protein molecules. They build protein chains, okay? And savory foods are full of glutamic acid, lysosomic acid, all kinds of other specific amino acids. And that's what gives our food this, this is so savory and delicious flavor. And they're activated by the presence of salt. You'll find actually, if you ever use essence of umami or MSG, uh, you might also find it um, in a bunch of other brand names like Dash and things like that. Um, what'll happen is it won't taste like a lot of anything until you add a little sodium to it. And this is where soy sauce comes in is it's already suspended. Now, the reason you see all these food companies saying no added MSG is because the truth of the matter is, is that MSG occurs naturally in the environment. It occurs naturally in food. It occurs naturally in everything. So the keyword there is no added. added. <laughs> right. So they're not intentionally going in and sprinkling a little extra savoriness into it. Um, but we can, if we do not like and we are opposed to the extract of MSG, insert small eye roll here, it's okay. I'm not judging you too harshly. There are lots of things you can use instead, right? You could use miso paste, which is fermented soybeans. You could use gochujang sauce, which is a fermented wheat sauce. There's also spicy. You could use soy sauce. You could use mushrooms. You could use dried seaweed. You tomatoes? Could use tomatoes, wakame. You could use... Um, 
red wine, you could use green tea, you could use black coffee, you could use chocolate, you could use avocados, you could use meat, you could use any kind of mushroom, mushrooms are super savory, bacon. These are all savory ingredients that are, tend to be high in amino acids and as well glutamic acid. Uh, and that's what makes things super savory and delicious. So moving on. So the next set of ingredients are spicy. So just don't be scared of it. Yeah, don't be scared of it. If you don't want to use it, there's no problem there. And if you want to use it, don't feel guilty about using it. It's a really cheap, easy way to make food taste delicious quickly. Um, the next set is spicy things, right? So you want to make sure you always have black pepper on hand and you want to always have red pepper on hand. Um, I black. love crushed red pepper. It really is delicious. I like to put it on everything. <laughs> yeah, and they're really easy to use. They're dry, so they last a long time. Um, they've got their own aromatic quality to them as well, but they also have a spiciness. And if you remember from our tasting demonstration, that black pepper has that black pepper smell, but the taste of it is actually spicy. It adds warming aspects to your cooking. Uh, same thing with red pepper. So red pepper is actually not even the same plant as black pepper. They're actually two different kinds of plants. Red peppers are actually chilies, right? We use the wrong word in English, so they're red chilies, okay? And black pepper is a different plant. It's, it comes from an evergreen plant that grows in India, and chilies come from uh, Central America and South America and North Way America. Way to be very specific, Ryan. And two different types <laughs> of chemicals. Um, pepper, like black pepper, white pepper, uses a chemical called piperine to make it spiciness. And chilies, like red pepper and the next one, which is cayenne pepper, mm. they use a chemical called capsicum or capsaicum, depending on how you like to pronounce it. And that is what makes it spicy. And you can, you'll always see spiciness measured by the Scoville heat units. Um, so black pepper, red pepper, cayenne pepper, those are three really easy ones to have on hand. Just remember cayenne pepper gets spicier the longer you cook. Uh, whereas black pepper and red pepper pretty much release pretty quickly. Um, so don't keep a good adding <laughs> cayenne pepper if you're slow cooking. Literally um, be on fire. <laughs> yes, and those are really easy things to get a hand on. Red pepper is also called peppercino uh, in Italy. So that's actually what it is. So the next ones are, these are sour ingredients, right? So red wine vinegar, rice wine vinegar, lemon juice, lime juice. And red wine vinegar is literally, you know, it's, it's, it's in a, it's, it's a type of acid made out of fermented red wine. And then rice wine vinegar is the same thing. So rice wine vinegar is a little sweeter than European uh, vinegars because it's got that glutamic rice in it. Glutamous rice is what it's called. And so it's a little sweeter. I like it a I lot. I like it. It's the only white vinegar I ever recommend. You can also use apple cider vinegar, balsamic vinegar, whatever kind of vinegar you want. I just don't recommend the white vinegar that comes in the big gallon jugs. Uh, it says white vinegar on it. You usually use it to clean your tub to get soap scum out. They make all kinds of flavors now. They do. They give like pomegranate, yeah. yeah I was just all kinds that. of stuff. Really, any fermented fr fruit juice, right? That doesn't right. turn into alcohol. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, lemon juice and lime juice are great to have on hand because, first off, lemon juice is a great palate cleanser. You can use it to make lemonade. You can go to your Walmart and you can get the, you know, the like big one liter bottles of it and you can make lemonade with that real easy. It's not too expensive. But lemon juice is also great because it's got sugar in it already. So you can just add a little splash of lemon juice, this, that, and the other, and then you don't need to worry too much about balancing the sweetness because it's already in there. Lime juice is another great one to have to put on top of dishes, put on top of sandwiches, put on top tacos. of tacos, tacos, burritos, whatever you want. Lime has that great floral aroma, that wonderful um, 
what is it? That citric oil, citrus oil. Sometimes it tastes like, or it smells like Fruit Loops to me. It does, yeah. Like just occasionally. So lime juice is great to use for that reason. Then the next ones are uh, granulated sugar. You need sugar just to sweeten things, right? Now, if you're diabetic and you have to watch your sugar, you can also substitute Splenda in equal proportion uh, for what you are going to use. Um, what you're going to use granulated sugar for. Of course, talk to your dietitian, make sure you're allowed to use those kinds of things. But when we talk about palate cleansing, we talk about the sugar vinegar method or the vinegar sugar method, balance. proportional amounts, tablespoon of vinegar to a tablespoon of sugar to balance and you know mask the weight of your food. And then the next ones are just things you should just have on hand just in case, right? So you okay. should always have some pure olive oil on hand it's good to cook with, it's good to put on top of things, it's good to do lots of stuff with. Now, I don't recommend extra virgin olive oil specifically. Reason is, is that extra virgin olive oil is not necessary for cooking, right? It's actually not even a very good cooking oil. It's more of a dipping, topping, salad oil kind of thing. People are always trying to cook with it. They're like, oh, it's healthy, I'm gonna cook with it. Yeah, it's, I mean- But doesn't it burn or something? It does, it has a low smoke point, so it's not really good for sauteing with, but some people like to use olive oil when they cook. So use what's called pure olive oil, not extra virgin olive oil. It's a lot cheaper, you get a lot more, and it's better for that use. If you're gonna eat it raw, like you're gonna put olive oil on top of bread for a dipping sauce or on top of your salads, that's when you wanna use extra virgin olive oil. Ah, I didn't know there was a difference. with, there's no reason to use extra virgin olive oil, you wanna use regular pure olive oil. Okay. Um, the next oil that I recommend having on hand is canola oil. Um, if you live outside the United States, you will know it as rapeseed oil, uh, but here in the United States, it's marketed as canola oil, which stands for Canadian oil. Uh, it comes from a seed called the rapeseed, and basically what they do is they crush it, and it's actually one of the healthiest oils on the market. It's Got a super high smoke point, doesn't leave a lot so of So you can get it nice and hot to saute. Yeah, you can get a nice firm, hot fry on it. Um, another one you can use is vegetable oil, but I don't particularly like it because it leaves this weird kind of funky taste to it. It's soybean oil is typically when you see it's labeled vegetable oil. Mm -hmm. It's typically just pure soybean oil. I just don't personally like soybean oil, so I recommend canola oil over that. You can also literally use canola oil anywhere, in any cooking, any baking, in any frying. Um, okay. And it has the lowest saturated fats out of any oil that you can cook with. Uh, the next ones are butter or margarine. If you're a butter fan, you gotta have butter. You use it to make roux. Uh, and if you don't like real butter, you can use margarine to do the same thing, okay? Uh, they taste good, you can spread them on things. Butter is a fantastic way, and margarine, a wonderful way to add extra calories into food without making it too heavy. Um, for example, bread has a certain amount of calories, right? Like usually 100 calories per slice. Well, you add a half a tablespoon of butter and now you've added, what, 40 to 80 calories depending on what kind it is. Right, and that's it's a, a sneaky great... way to get some extra calories in there. Exactly, and it's quickly. savory and it tastes good. Um, so you just, and you need it for cooking, so just keep it on hand. Uh, flour, you, whole wheat flour or all-purpose flour, whatever you like to use. Flour is a fantastic thing to have. It works as a thickener, it works for roux, it works for deep frying, it works for all you kinds of You use it for everything. Things. If you are allergic to gluten, clearly you don't want to have flour. You want to use some kind of flour substitute that you are good to use. Um, which brings us to cornstarch, which is gluten-free. Mm. So gluten-free, not gluten-free, cornstarch is great because it makes things super crunchy, crispy crunchy, right? Chinese food is made with 
cornstarch. That's what makes it extra crunchy is the cornstarch in there, like General Tso's chicken or orange chicken. If it's that light fluffy stuff, that's made with wheat flour, but the real nice crunchy ones that, that are just delicious and they hold their texture for a long time, that's made with cornstarch. You can also use cornstarch. I like starch. crunchy. <laughs> yes, you do. And you can also use cornstarch as a thickener for your soups or stews or whatever. And so those are basically the ingredients that I always have on hand in my kitchen and I expect that you should have on hand as well. That was super helpful. Thank you. All right. So for our audience email today, it kind of relates to what we just talked about. Chef Ryan, I've heard that pink salt is more healthy than regular salt. Why is pink salt healthier than regular table salt? So, uh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll that just, was easy. All right. right we're going to end the episode right now. Uh, yeah. Just, well, okay. So maybe that, that garners a little more explanation. Yes. So explain to us why. Salt is salt is salt is salt is salt from a chemical, purely chemical perspective. It's sodium chloride, right? So 99.998% of the minerals inside of any sea salt or whatever is identical. It's all just sodium chloride. There is this 0.002% that can have different trace minerals that when it's put into the crystals changes the color. Pink salt, guys, is a marketing gimmick. It's a way to get you to buy a different kind of salt. It's also a way to empty your pockets. Um, yeah, it's expensive. It is because... It's like, whoa, I don't think that's worth that to it, me. It's a gimmick is what it is. Hurts you my know? bank account. So it's a gimmicky kind of salt. What you can use is if you're trying to lower your sodium, right? Like let's say you're a heart patient, right? As well as a cancer patient. You can use instead what's called potassium chloride, which is called near salt or not salt. There's all kinds of brands for it. But it's instead of being... Sodium chloride, it's potassium chloride, and it's not the same. I'm going to tell you straight out. It does not taste exactly the same, but the same thing where Splenda tastes similar to real sugar or equal tastes similar in sweetness, it gives you that same saltiness, but it's not the same kind of salt. So what you can do is you just slowly over time, if you're using... Uh, if you need to lower the sodium intake, you can use low sodium soy sauce. You can use less salt in your cooking. A great way to kick a lot of the salt out of your cooking is to use, like we talked about, uh, coarse ground sea salt or coarse ground kosher salt. And that will a little just, goes a long way because of the fact that you're not using as much of it in your cooking. It's going to naturally lower your sodium just because of the volume aspect. And then there's, of course, like I said, you can always just use the salt substitutes and those work just as well, too. But of course, like I always say, talk to your dietitian. They know about your situation better than you do and better than I do. Just talk to them, work with them, call them on the phone. They're like Mike Jones. Trust Email. me, you can get a hold of them. <laughs> well, that's all for this episode of the Cooking for Chemo podcast. Remember, you can get all of this information and more on our website, cookingforchemo.org, along with our Gourmand award-winning cookbook, Cooking for Chemo and After. I'm Jesse Callahan. And I'm Chef Ryan Callahan. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.